the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. The El Conservador Radio Show is sponsored by George Rodriguez on 9.30 a.m. The Answer. Time for the El Conservador Radio Show with George Rodriguez. George is a constitutional conservative who loves to expose fake news and liberals. Be a part of the show. Call 210-308-8867. And now, El Conservador, George Rodriguez. Howdy, 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 my friends. George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM radio on this uh, November 30th, the Saturday after Thanksgiving. I hope everybody had a good one. We've got a good program for you today, my friends. We've got, uh, for example, we've got... uh, uh, Sheriff Sam Page out of uh, Rockingham, North Carolina, is going to be talking to us about uh, giving us an update of a big meeting that occurred uh, there in his uh, in his state uh, regarding homeland security and uh, sanctuary communities. We've also got uh, Miss uh, Agnes uh, Gibney. Agnes is an angel mom, and uh, she's going to be telling us her story uh, and the uh, situation of how. Uh, the sanctuary communities have um, ha- have affected her life with the death of her child or, or son, should I say? Uh, we've also got uh, Mr. Uh, uh, Mr. Christopher Hayek. Uh, uh, Hayek. I'm hoping I pronounced his name correctly. Uh, Christopher Hayek, who um, is uh, with the Immigration Reform Law Institute in Washington, D.C., who is also going to be talking to us about what needs to be done regarding the issue of, uh, of sanctuary sh- communities. And finally, we've also got uh, Mr. Latham Watts, who's going to be talking to us about, the, about Thanksgiving and the war uh, on Christianity here in the United States. He's going to be giving us some, uh, some uh, great information. He is Director of Legal um, uh, Communications, uh, for the um, First Liberty Institute in Dallas. Uh, so uh, stay tuned. We're going to go real quick to our first uh, uh, interview uh, with Mr. with uh, Sheriff Sam Page. Folks, thank you for joining us. I hope you'll call your friends and tell them that, uh, that we're on. And uh, I certainly hope that you will share the show. Howdy, 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 my friends. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas, on KLUP 930 AM radio, The Answer. And um, we're going to be chatting uh, with uh, our friend uh, Sheriff Page out of Rockingham County down in North Carolina because uh, there was, this past week, there was a uh, big meeting down there. There In in North Carolina, there was a big meeting uh, regarding the uh, issue of uh, sanctuary cities and the problems that uh, that that causes and we know that uh for example in Mecklenburg County which is Charlotte North Carolina there's been some some uh incidents of uh, criminal aliens um literally getting away with with their crime and um apparently that's uh, that's become the focus of uh of some folks in DC and uh with ICE and uh, uh we wanted to get the sheriff to give us a first-hand uh, report on what happened or what's been happening down there uh, what happened with this with this meeting, uh, Sheriff? Um, welcome to the show. Thank you for taking time. Tell us tell us about this meeting that just occurred down there. Well, uh, the meeting uh, was uh, day before yesterday in Raleigh at the legislative building, and uh, at the, uh, we were invited by myself and, and four of the sheriffs from North Carolina that surround or surround my county were invited to uh, come down, and we met with uh, the acting, the new acting director of Homeland Security, I think Chad Wolf, and also uh, Matt Alberts was there, who's director, acting director of uh, ICE. And then we had uh, a, a Congressman Walker, Congressman Bishop, uh, Speaker of the House for North Carolina for, uh, was uh, Tim Moore, and we had uh, some other representatives that were there also. And we also had... Uh, uh, 
a couple of the angel families that I was familiar with, but we actually have, I think we actually had four angel families, but they actually had two of the angel families that I've that I, that I met with and talked with over the past few years. Wow. That sounds like a, like a, like a nice uh, group of people to talk about uh, this problem of sanctuary cities. What was, uh, what was the discussion and what was, uh, was there any uh, dis- conclusion of anything? I think the main topic was in North Carolina, we've, we've got a majority of the sheriffs of the state honor federal detainers, and you know what federal detainers are. They should request to hold a person that's criminally charged illegally in the country, and when they're ready to be released from the jail setting, we, we basically contact ICE. They come pick them up within 48 hours and uh, remove the person for, for uh, consideration for deportation. And, and then, and then, like I said, they serve their administrative warrants on the stuff. But the thing was, uh, the problem we have in North Carolina, there, there was a handful of sheriffs uh, in one of our biggest uh, counties, Mecklenburg County. The conversation is a lot of people are being released that are they're criminally charged, they're illegal aliens, they're serious offenders that are being released back out into the communities. And the fact is, it not only affects the community, it not only affects criminal, I mean, I, and when I say affect, I say potential for victimization. Uh, potential for victimization with the uh, with the uh, immigrant population, but also with our citizens in those communities. So, uh, you know, there, there was discussion about the dangers that sanctuary cities uh, bring about. Uh, basically, a, a sanctuary for persons that may want to draw them, that may want to be involved in criminal activity, and basically embed themselves within those communities. So, it's a sanctuary city is not conducive, in my opinion to uh, a good, safe community. And, uh, again, so we had a kind of had a roundtable discussion. Uh, so we had a roundtable discussion uh, on the issues. Now, now, what, uh, you know, from your perspective as a sheriff, what do you think needs to happen? I mean, how can, how can uh, the Homeland Security folks and uh, the, the federal government deal with, deal with this situation of uh, jurisdictions that, um, you know, well, in some cases, like the entire state of California, uh, are, are being uh, are, are ignoring the retainer issue. Well, you know the the, uh, the representatives from Homeland Security and ICE, you know, they laid out their position. Uh, I agree with them. I think the safest way to transfer a person that's criminally charged, a illegal alien that's in our jails, is in our jail setting. That's the safest way to do a transfer. That's the safest way to do any type to do a transfer because you don't have to go out into the community and then expose yourself to potential other risks or threats that involving those individuals. That's right. That's right. We've seen, we've seen situations like, for example, in Tennessee where ICE has gone into a community to arrest somebody, and, um, and uh, the, the, there, there is uh, you know, almost a mob that, uh, that prevents them from, from doing that. It's incredible. Well, the other thing is, is persons that, that are illegal aliens that commit criminal offenses don't always stay in those sanctuary communities. They can go into other communities. And I explained to them just, for example, myself, I'm a small county right on the Virginia border. And since 2010 to the present, we've had over 350 persons, criminally charged, illegal aliens in our country, in our state, that have committed criminal offenses in my jurisdiction and ended up in our jail system. So that's three over 350 persons, and we're we're a small county. The other thing I brought to their attention was, you know, I'm concerned also about the issue of the border security. Border security and interior enforcement go hand in hand. You got to have them both. And right uh, within the past few months, two or three months, uh, we had uh, I think 10 members of the Jalisco New Generation Cartel uh, arrested just 10 miles north of the Virginia Rockingham County Virginia border in Axton, Virginia, 10 miles away from my county. The other thing is two or three days later, they arrested another group, uh, I think it was about 18 Jalisco cartel members that were uh, in Charlotte, Mecklenburg, which you're familiar with, that were connected back to California. So the point I'm trying to make is this. It's not if they come, they're here. And these persons that are are peddling cocaine, methamphetamines, heroin, and other drugs that are taking lives in our communities are also involved in the human trafficking, the cartel are in the business of either moving drugs or moving people. And uh, that's a big problem, but it's already in our communities. And I made the, the panel aware that, you know what, I see through intelligence information, I see what happens in Mexico and that the lives are taken down there. And I said, we don't want that. We don't need that in our communities here. So in order to make our communities safer, 
we've got to we've got to cut out these sanctuary communities. We've got to we've got to have interior enforcement working with our our federal partners, and we've got to have good operational border security to make it work. Gosh, excellent, man! I couldn't I could not articulate it better. You 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 really hit it on the mark, Sheriff. Anything else you want to share with uh, with the audience before we uh, we we conclude, sir? Well, you're out of Texas, and Texas is a very strong state here. I have been down to McAllen, Texas, during the border surge of 2014. I've been out to El Paso, Texas, to the border areas out there uh, uh, to see what's going on in Juarez, uh, connect, connecting back to the United States. We do know, and here's something that's really interesting. I read something on, on social media, but I saw where the president is entertaining the conversation about declaring the Mexican drug cartels, or some of the cartels, terrorist organizations. I think that's a movement in a good direction. I know it has some other concerns that tie in with that declaration. But if we truly want to put those guys out of business, we need to call them what they are. We need to investigate them for what they are. Uh, we need to, uh, they are, they are terrorists and they need to be declared as such. And we need to put every resource we can to put them out of business because they're the persons that you don't hear as much about. You hear about human trafficking, you hear about drug tra- trafficking, you hear about everything associated with those issues, but you don't hear the cartel being called out. We need to call them out. We need to focus on them. We need to work with Mexico, our neighbor, and we need to put them out of business because they're taking lives. You saw what happened with Chapo Guzman's son down there a few uh, a few weeks ago, where they actually turned him back over uh, when he when they attacked the police agency and the law enforcement there. They turned him back over. Wow. Back here, we don't get we don't give up prisoners, but that sets a bad precedence for Mexico and and for the officers out there trying to do the job. So they need our help. I know the president wants to help, and we can work together to put the cartel out of business. That's my message. Excellent. Gosh, you know, I, you, I've got to give you I got to give you credit that your pronunciation of of, of these Mexican words has gotten really really good. <laughs> I guess I guess you're getting a lot of practice, huh? <laughs> George, George, you know, uh, you know, when you when you dare with it, when you focus on it, and you try and you're trying to keep your community safe and protect your citizens, and you know, and again, persons that are citizens and persons in the immigrant population, a lot of times are victimized. Both sides are victimized, and a lot of these persons that could be removed if these if these sheriffs from across not only North Carolina but across the country were working together. Now, in North Carolina, majority of sheriffs are honoring federal retainers. But if we can get the criminal offender out of the community, if we can get the illegal alien criminal offender out of the community and back to where they came from, that's going to make our community, help to make our community safer. It's got to. Gotcha. Thank you very, very much for taking time to be with us. Uh, Sheriff uh, Sheriff Page out of Rockingham County, North Carolina, thank you very much for, for, for being on with us. We've got to get you back on again sometime soon. And, uh, and chat about uh, other issues that are going on in your in, in your area that are affect you know that affect the rest of us uh, all over the place. That was Sheriff Sam Page from Rockingham, North Carolina, and uh, this is George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP nine thirty AM radio, the answer. Hello, El Conservador listeners. If you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez, El Conservador, and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you are interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning. Howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas on KLUP 930 AM radio. And uh, we've got uh, a lady who's become a very good friend of mine, <coughs> uh, Miss uh, Agnes uh, Gimini, who is uh, in um, in beautiful Southern California. Uh, in fact, uh, <laughs> poor Agnes has had to turn off. Has had to pull over on the um, on the freeway to talk to us, but we really, really like her. 
Let me give you a quick um, background on Agnes because we're going to talk to her uh, from her perspective of this issue of sanctuary communities. Agnes lost. Agnes is a very vocal, very visible angel mom. She lost a loved one to an illegal alien criminal. And uh, we're going to ask her to give us her ideas, particularly since so much is being discussed at this point uh, about uh, sanctuary communities. Um, to Particularly at this time, her thoughts, her feelings about sanctuary communities, uh, particularly at this time when, um, you know, it's the holiday season and everybody's talking about um, their families and get-togethers. What is she thinking regarding this whole situation? Uh, of sanctuary communities and people that argue that illegal aliens should have their families together, should be reunited. Agnes, thank you for being on our show. Thank you for for, for coming on. Tell us, Agnes, um, give us real, a, a real brief uh, thought about um, uh, how you and other angel parents are, are viewing uh, these sanctuary communities and at this time of the year. Well, thank you for having me uh, on your program. It's an honor. Uh, well, I'm speaking for myself, not for anybody else, but for any murder victim that I have been uh, uh, that I have encountered in this uh, past 17 years. Nobody enjoys, nobody likes, or respects sanctuary cities. It is an insult when you think about uh, criminals getting released from prisons. So they can be reunited with their families and ignoring the pain and the grief that those criminals left in the devastation for our families. I will not have my son sitting at my uh, dinner table for Thanksgiving or Christmas or ever on any celebration ever again. Criminals will get a chance to reunite with their families even when they are deported because we all know that most of them will somehow or another come back, and they will be reunited with their families. I am permanently separated from my son, and uh, my son is is and will forever be six feet under in a coffin, and that's a reality. Sanctuary uh, cities protect and, uh, protects criminals. They don't protect you and me, uh, the citizens of this country. They protect law, uh, those that broke our laws. Only. Tell us, tell us how, how how did that occur? How did how was your 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 son killed? My son had gone over to his girlfriend's house to drop off some uh, fruit for the kids, watermelon and and so forth. And she had gotten laid up at work. His ex girlfriend and he was uh, leaving. Started to talk to a friend on the driveway when my son noticed somebody coming in the back in the dark and uh, said, who is that coming? And his friend turned around and he fired the gun that was intended for his friend. He was going to shoot his friend in the back because they had a spout. Uh, this guy beat the gang member up and he wanted to get even. And in this idiocracy of, uh, of his, uh, he shot my son instead. And he pulled the trigger uh, point blank at the, at the guy that he intended to shoot. And the gun jammed, and then he took off running and fled to Mexico. Now, your th- this guy that that, uh, that killed your 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 uh, son, he was recently um, uh, what released and deported? Is that it? He was released on Friday. I got a letter from the uh, prison about three months ago, and that's when this insanity started really rolling. And I wasn't going to just sit back and wait for somebody to do something. I fought until the very end. Uh, the letter said that he'll be uh, uh, released on uh, on the 23rd of November, but it could be one or two days before, so either the 22nd or the 21st. Uh, subsequently, he was uh, 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 released on the 22nd and uh, immediately uh, picked up by ERO, Enforcement Removal Officers, which is a part of ICE, and he was immediately deported uh, via El Centro, California, at the border, was sent back to Mexico. So Mexico gained a felon murderer, and we spared another victim, another life in California by removing this criminal from our state. The, um, you know, the, the, the question that I would have, and maybe it has occurred already to you, is, uh, you know, this deportation of this guy, 
do you think he might sneak back into the United States? I mean, the, uh, we have deported so many people that have snuck back in. Mm-hmm. If I would have to bet uh, $10 million, I would be $10 million richer because it is almost for certain that he's going to try to come back. I, 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 how many others have come back? That's right. That's right. There have been many instances of people uh, being involved in accidents and being involved in, yes. in crimes. And uh, we find out at a later time that uh, these individuals had been deported multiple times. Right. Exactly. And I, I, I don't think anything's going to be different about this guy because he has children and family, brothers and sisters, I guess, uh, here in California. So most likely he is going to come back. The question is how long it's going to take him to succeed now that uh, we have the uh, uh, 30-feet border wall. And uh, so I I don't know. Let's see what happens. Now, how do you you view the situation uh, of of President Trump's policies? How do you view his, his efforts to secure the border and address illegal immigration? President Trump has been trying to do the right thing ever since he took office. He ran on the campaign that uh, we're going to deport illegal aliens, uh, criminal illegal aliens, and, uh, and he ran on the immigration, uh, illegal immigration issue. <clears throat> the only problem is if the doggone congressmen and women would get off their butts and do something about uh, fixing this problem, then we would have been a lot farther along and would have spared many thousands of lives. But for the past three years, Congress has done nothing but interfere with the president's uh, work and his uh, wishes and our wishes, because this is our wishes, too. American citizens don't want, most of them don't want open borders, the ones that understand the ramifications of allowing just anybody in. And uh, Congress needs to get off their their tushes and and stand with the president. They wasted almost three years. Now, you're sitting there in in California, in Southern California even. Mm -hmm. Um, How do you view the politics there? Do you see any kind of of ray of hope for, uh, you know, for conservatives and for the rule of law? Uh, in a place like Los Angeles County or or any part of Southern California where there is such an effort to um, to protect illegal aliens? You know what it feels like, George? It feels like the Democrats are drunk and they are running us over. Hit and run <laughs> oh my by the Democrats. Uh, they, we, we are feeling overwhelmed because uh, Gavin Newsom is doing nothing but to protect criminals and illegal aliens. Now he wants to give um, Medicaid to uh, uh, DACA kids up to the age of 26. Now he wants to give uh, 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 Medicare to 65 and above. They have never paid a penny into the Medicare system. Why in the world are we going to give these people uh, free benefits? If I went to Mexico, to Guatemala, El Salvador, any place else, they're going to laugh me out of the hospital. Get the hell out of here until you pay. Just recently, there was a couple from, uh, I'm not sure what state, uh, the guy got really sick. They were on a cruise and had to be uh, removed from the cruise because he got really sick with diabetes and fell into a coma. They were holding them hostage until, until they paid their $15,000 bill. And we just dish it all out. How insane is that? I don't want to dish it all out anymore. You know, and I'm a compassionate person. I understand things are tough there. Go fight in your own country. Go fight your own government. Don't come to my country and fight my government to give you more free stuff that you didn't get in your country, taken away from those of us that uh, American citizens, uh, uh, there was a lot of families that are living in poverty. There, there was, we need better health care for the citizens, for elderly people, for veterans. Why don't we focus on that? That's right. Uh, here in the last minute, uh, Agnes, what would you, what would you tell uh, our audience and the American public about sanctuary communities? Sanctuary communities are unsafe. If they say they are safe, that those are the safest places, it's a big, fat lie. 
illegal aliens are being victimized by other illegal aliens. The only problem is they, they are not reporting it because they are afraid to be under the radar and being deported. They are, they are not the safest cities at all. It's a big, fat lie. We need to all stand together and we need to ban this. Uh, here in California, I'm fighting with uh, FightSanctuaryState.com. We're going to be fight, uh, uh, filing another uh, an initiative really soon to put it on the ballot to remove a sanctuary state and then go to other states in the country to eliminate sanctuary cities and states. It's, it's unconstitutional. We've been talking with uh, Agnes uh, Gibney from uh, Southern California, and uh, Agnes is a, uh, a an angel mom. Agnes, thank you very much for taking time to be with us today. And uh, we know uh, how difficult it is for you and your family at this time of year, but we still wish you a happy Thanksgiving. And more than anything else, we want to thank you for fighting for our uh, for our protection, for our liberties and for our protection, Agnes. Absolutely. Thank you so much, and may all of you enjoy and have a happy Thanksgiving. Take lots of pictures with your family. Uh, enjoy your family, because uh, if we keep, keep open borders, it's going to be a matter of time when one of your family members won't be at your dinner table, too. Thank you very, very much. For happens. God bless you all. George Rodriguez, KLUP 930 AM Radio in San Antonio. We'll be right back. All right, folks, once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you from San Antonio, deep in the heart of South Texas. And uh, we've got uh, a uh, new guest with us, um, Mr. Mr. Christopher Hayek, who is with the, uh, he is an attorney with the uh, Immigration Reform uh, Law Institute in uh, Washington, D.C. And I wanted to reach out to Christopher because, specifically, we've been hearing so much on the news lately regarding sanctuary communities and uh, illegal alien criminals that uh, have uh, escaped and such. And I wanted to get him on uh, our show because his organization deals with these uh, this issue um, and uh, just to ask him, you know, what are the problems that are being caused by the by these? Uh, well, I will call them outlaw jurisdictions. And what can be done? I mean, we talk a lot, we hear a lot about what the president needs to do, what the federal government needs to do, et cetera, et cetera. But let's get somebody who, who is working on the front lines. Of Christopher, welcome to the show. Welcome to the show. Thank you, George. I really would like to uh, give us, give us uh, you know, since you guys are dealing with it on a daily basis, um, how many or what, what is going on with these uh, outlaw jurisdictions, with these sanctuary communities how much problem how many how, how much trouble are they causing us well they're causing a great deal of trouble about half of the country now by population lives in some kind of sanctuary jurisdiction or another and uh this, uh the major this, one major obvious problem with it is that immigration laws are not being enforced in these vast uh area and uh and in particular, this causes a great public safety problem because there are they're, what they're doing is releasing criminals back on the street, and and these are career criminals. They're going to commit more crimes. It, it, it's a certainty. And uh, if they just shared information with ICE about when they're going to release them from state custody for their crimes, uh, ICE could come in, into the jails and pick them up and deport them. But instead, they, they want them to be released back on the streets. So they refuse to cooperate with ICE. Uh, we've had certain uh, jurisdictions, certain judges even, say that they don't want uh, ICE to even enter their uh, the courthouses. That, that, that is uh, it, indeed going on. Um, uh, it, it's a total violation of federal uh, supremacy. I mean, the, the, the federal government can go anywhere in the United States to uh, enforce federal law, including state courthouses. Amazing, amazing. Now... Uh, what can be done? I mean, we hear so much about, uh, you know, we're, there, there's a lot of folks that complain about it. Um, what can be done about this situation? I mean, the, these jurisdictions just seem to be uh, creating a, an outlaw situation. Yes, and uh, what is being done and may uh, well succeed is the United States has sued 
uh, California over its sanctuary state law, saying that it's preempted by the supremacy clause of the Constitution, which says, which says federal law is supreme over state law. And uh, it's now before the Supreme Court, and the uh, United States is petitioning the Supreme Court to take the case um, and, and strike down California sanctuary law. And if it does that, then sanctuary laws will be, in effect, invalidated all over the country. And so it's a very important case, and, uh, and it's very clear, uh, to my mind, that uh, sanctuary laws just are, are successful attempts to interfere with and block the enforcement of federal immigration law. And that's kind of preemption, the court calls it. It's setting up an obstacle to federal law that means uh, the law has to be invalidated as inconsistent with federal law. The uh, what what is what is the the uh, uh, where where's the root of the of this idea of sanctuary communities? Is is it in the Middle Ages where you know people used to flee to a, to a convent or something to avoid the king uh, the king's reach? Uh, they, they try to link it to that uh, the idea of a sanctuary in a church, but um, the only thing that could be uh, it, it's not really common at all. It, 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 this, this, is, this isn't a sanctuary in that sense. This is shielding people from, from the law altogether. Uh, in, in, in the old sanctuary system, you would go in and then the, the king might uh, have to exile you from the country instead of prosecuting you or something like that. But here, they, they don't want to abide by the law at all. So, uh, you know, this, this situation that we have, like, like in California, obviously, where, you know, even like, uh, not, not only the state, but you also have the jurisdiction of, uh, in, in San Francisco and other communities, uh, Oakland and others who are blatantly just, uh, thumbing their nose at immigration law. You've got the same situation in Oregon. I mean, these, uh, these little, these communities, these cities, um, can they? I mean, is there an effort to try to uh, to limit their federal funding at least, or as a um, as a way? Ultimately, that that effort will have to come from Congress, and it hasn't come from Congress. Uh, then Attorney General Jeff Sessions uh, made many attempts to uh, cut funding to sanctuary cities. Uh, a lot of courts ruled that uh, he, you know, when these uh, attempts were challenged, that that. Uh, he didn't have the authorization from Congress to attach those conditions to these specific grants. Now, he won some cases and he lost some others. That, that was uh, an attempt that in his mind was, uh, was um, proper, but the court said he, he, it, he didn't have the delegated authority. Congress could do it. Um, Congress could get rid of sanctuary cities very easily by attaching uh, uh, that to funding. Um, but uh, the Democrats would never vote for that in the House of Representatives. And uh, the president is um, somewhat limited in his options, but this lawsuit is a very good option because what's wrong with these things, apart from just the, the fact that they're stopping immigration law from being enforced, is that they're a denial of, of our Constitution. They're, they're a denial of federal supremacy. And, uh, and it's just uh, lawlessness and chaos that uh, the other side is, is quite willing to... Uh, uh, enact if it means that they can um, have more illegal immigrants in their communities and more criminal aliens in their communities. I don't know why they want those things, but they very clearly do. It's, uh, you know, it, we've had we've had the situation of, an, of a judge, I believe in Massachusetts it was, that actually enabled an illegal alien to go out the back door uh, uh, to escape. And that judge is being prosecuted by the Trump administration. Well, one thing they could do, um, and this may be in their playbook uh, if necessary, is prosecute local people, local officials and police officers and so forth for harboring illegal aliens, uh, you, which, which is a federal crime. And you harbor an illegal alien if you uh, refuse to tell ICE their whereabouts. I says, is that illegal alien in your jail? When are you going to release him? We'd like to be there to pick him up, and you refuse to answer. That is concealing an, an illegal alien from uh, law enforcement, and it's a crime. 
So uh, one thing the president could do is prosecute that sort of thing more vigorously. They made a start with uh, uh, this judge, and um, uh, they could apply that more broadly. So making an example of that judge at least would send a message, I guess, wouldn't it? Yes. I, 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 go ahead. Yeah, there are other judges doing this now. Oh my gosh! I mean, it it is it's it's it, it's outrageous. It, it's absolutely outrageous. So I mean, the the president has acted a lot on his own to to address the illegal immigration and border crisis. Um, do you think that that's going to have to be the case at this? At, at least because the the uh, Congress is just not going to be willing. The Democrats are just not going to be willing to work uh, on uh, on this matter. Yes, I think absolutely. Trump has to do and is doing. Uh, or, or doing a lot of things um, himself. He has to do everything he can to uh, um, enact his goals uh, through presidential action, and he's done that through diplomacy, working with Mexico and the Triangle countries uh, to uh, set up safe third country agreement, and and he's doing uh, he's threatened terrorists to get that done, and uh, you know he has a lot of tools at his disposal. Uh, they're always challenged in court, but that just slows him down a bit sometimes, because ultimately they're upheld by the Supreme Court. And, uh, and he has to take that to the voters in 2020 and say, uh, if, if, you, if, if you elect a Democrat, all that's gone. I mean, you know, you can say sort of, you know, I am the wall. I, I am holding the line here as best I can. And, uh, and, and he can, I think, ride that to victory. And, uh, and then hopefully get the House back and then really address the uh, things in a more permanent way that's harder to change you know it's very very difficult for me to understand uh as a as a lay person how somebody can justify uh defying uh laws uh in the name of uh of helping someone i mean for crying out loud somebody help me and and let me define and help me to defy uh the law that forces me to pay taxes right 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 i mean uh, policy choices have been made by Congress, and, and they're in our immigration law, and the, the leaders of sanctuary cities don't like these policies. Uh, but their, you know, Congress's will is uh, supreme. Over, you know, it, its law is supreme over their laws. And uh, you know, this was settled in the Civil War uh, that um, you know there's, uh, or it was, it was also settled. You know, it, 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 there were crises before that um, where, you know, states can't nullify federal law. Federal law overrides it, and that's right in the Constitution. That was the design from the beginning. And, and, and now courts like the Ninth Circuit that have never cared about states' rights and state prerogatives are, are using uh, long Tenth Amendment arguments uh, to, to try to protect sanctuary cities. It, it just seems like... like uh, I keep hearing uh, arguments regarding feelings rather than than uh, logic and, and and the law. It's very emotional, and and I don't know why, but um, it, 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 it's um, it, they're in a state of rage and uh, and, and resistance, and um, you know it, it, it's uh, and, and it seems political politically suicidal to me. Uh, the average voter hears about these things and. Uh, it's hard to imagine that they would support it. Yes. In, indeed, indeed. I mean, logic lo- logic goes out the window. Christopher, thank you very much for coming on our show and talking to this to us about this, bringing some kind of sanity to what is going on with uh, with this. And and uh, let the folks know how they can follow up on uh, on uh, early and and what you guys do. Right. You can visit our website at our irli dot org. And uh, look at the materials we have there. Uh, you can also get involved in your local political process and uh, or national political process and hold the uh, your elected officials accountable for enacting sanctuary policies or not um, uh, cooperating with uh, ICE. Gotcha. Uh, you know, find out what's going on in your community. Go to meetings go to town halls and pull their feet to the fire. You got it, buddy. Thank you. Thank you once again. Uh, our good friend, uh, Christopher 
Hayek, who is uh, with the Immigration Reform Law Institute in Washington, D.C. Thank you for being with us. Thank you for having me. Once again, my friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. El Conservador listeners, if you are interested in following George Rodriguez, El Conservador, we invite you to follow him at his internet website, elconservador.net. You can also follow him on Facebook at George Rodriguez, El Conservador, and on Twitter at El Conservador for daily commentaries. You can also purchase his book, El Conservador, Conservative Opinions, online at Amazon.com. The book contains essays and commentaries about illegal immigration, fake news, and race relations. If you're interested in inviting El Conservador to speak to your group or event, please contact him through Facebook or through the station at 930amtheanswer.com. El Conservador thanks you for your support. Keep the fire of freedom burning. All right, folks, howdy, howdy, howdy. Once again, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. And uh, we've got uh, a new guest with us. Um, <clears throat> I've reached out to um, to the uh, First Liberty Institute, um, and uh, I've uh, gotten in contact with Mr. Latham Watts, who is the Director of Legal Communication. And um, First Liberty Institute, of course, is... Um, uh, Mr. Shackelford's uh, 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 group, but uh, I wanted to, to uh, get uh, to talk to Latham about uh, the issue, since it is Thanksgiving, folks, uh, about recent efforts to, um, I mean, we know about the war on, on Christianity, but recent efforts to remove God from Thanksgiving uh, or get rid of the, or uh, get rid of the holiday altogether. So uh, Latham, welcome to the show. And um, yes, yes, yes. Uh, tell us, tell us about. Uh, well, tell us about first of all the First Liberty Institute, and then what you guys are seeing regarding the uh, war on Christianity. Certainly. Uh, again, thanks for having me on your show. Uh, first Liberty Institute is a nonprofit law firm and think tank that is exclusively dedicated to defending religious liberty for all Americans. Our uh, mission is to restore and protect religious freedom uh, for people of all faiths uh, anywhere in America. So we defend, um, as I said, people of any faith anywhere in America, anyone who is seeking to live according to their beliefs, as long as they are doing that in a way that is consistent with the Constitution and the law, we will defend their right to do so. So we have um, you know, lots of clients uh, of different faith traditions all over the country, but um, some of the some of the things that we're working on right now that are probably uh, germane to the topic that you're you're discussing here is uh, one of our clients is a, a man named uh, Ken Howdy in uh, Fredericksburg, Virginia, who is a retired Lutheran minister who, uh, when he moved into this uh, senior living apartment complex, some of the seniors that lived there who uh, had you know, issues with mobility, couldn't really get out and go to church, uh, were trying to get together a group of people uh, for a Bible study. When Ken moved in, they asked him, being a retired minister, if he would lead and direct the Bible study, and he was happy to do so. So he did what you know, pretty much anybody would do um, in, a, in an apartment complex. He went and tried to reserve the community room, and he was initially told it would be okay, but he needed to change the name of the meeting to a book club which, yeah, he kind of rolled his eyes a little bit, but okay, whatever. So he tried to reserve the community room, but then the, the management of the apartment complex issued new rules for use of the community room and banned any and all religious activity. So this you know, small group of senior citizens decided, well, we're a small group. We can all fit in my apartment. Let's just do it in my apartment. And that's what they did. And uh, Ken was happy to do so and let the Bible study for them. Then he, get, he got a letter from the management of the apartment complex that told him if he continued to do that, he could face a, a discipline up to and including eviction from his home for leading a Bible study in a private apartment in someone's home. Uh, wow. So we have now had to, you know, file a federal lawsuit and uh, take this management company uh, to federal court uh, to make sure that this doesn't happen uh, anymore at that senior living complex. Uh, what's happening there? It is likely happening to people in lots of other places 
we have another client in a very similar situation in a, an apartment or a senior living uh, complex in Florida. And these people, as I said, if they're, if, if it's happening to them and it's happening elsewhere, you know, lots of us have parents or grandparents that are in this situation and people need to know what their rights are. Um, you can't defend your rights if you don't know what they are. So, um, at FirstLiberty.org, we have a lot of resources uh, to help people educate themselves on uh, their First Amendment rights, and uh, we're happy to defend cases like this and others all over the country at, at no charge to our clients. Uh, we're supported by uh, generous donors around the country, and that allows us to never send a bill to the people that we represent. Now, with the uh, with with the holiday season starting already, with with uh, Thanksgiving and then soon the uh, the Christmas holidays coming on. Uh, do you see an uptick in the uh, efforts to uh, remove uh, Christianity, remove religion from uh, from from uh, uh, the public eye? I would say overall, uh, we we see this year round. Um, it sort of manifests itself in different ways depending on the season. So definitely during the Christmas season, you'll have the typical fights over um, can you have a a nativity scene on certain property or, or, you know, can kids hand out a candy cane with a religious message at school, all of these sorts of things that we have litigated multiple times and won. Um, sometimes it's just, um, you know, somebody in a position of authority who just has a misunderstanding of what the First Amendment requires. Sometimes it's, you know, people thinking they know something that's in the Constitution that just isn't in there. Um, or occasionally it is somebody who, who is trying to push an agenda, just wants to remove all references of, of faith and religion in public life uh, in this country. Um, regardless, uh, people of faith, of all faith, have a right to live according to that faith every day. And that's what the Free Exercise Clause is all about. And that's where we come in uh, when instances like this happen. Uh, people contact us usually through the Get Legal Help tab on our, our website. Uh, it's right there at the top of the page, and they, they get in contact with us, and then we engage and, and are, um, have a very good success rate at, um, at this type of thing. Um, you know, the Constitution is on our side, so we, we should win. But um, it is the, the attacks on um, living according to your faith uh, in all aspects of your life, not just you're free to choose where you go to church on a weekend. We do see an increase in those, in number and intensity. That's the bad news. The good news is we're winning, um, and we're winning at, at, in federal court, at the appellate level, establishing precedent, and protecting these rights for everybody um, for now and for our kids and our grandkids. Now, you know, getting back, getting back to this issue of, 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 the, um, uh, of Thanksgiving, uh, I recently, and I can't remember where it was, but, but I recently read that uh, there was one place where they were trying to, you know, uh, talk about Thanksgiving, but not refer to God or to deity or to any to any religion. <laughs> right. I'm I'm yeah, trying to so figure out how does that work. Yeah, how does that work? Right. Uh, thanks to whom it may concern. I mean, it's just it it's absurd to try to secularize this holiday. Um, I, I and, and it's not required. And um, the, the, the First Amendment, the Establishment Clause, is about making sure there is no official church of the United States of America. And that's, that's it. It doesn't mean that you can't have any sort of expression about faith or a reference to divine uh, providence um, in, in public, whether it's in a, uh, a public building or you know, public school or you know, opening a uh, session of your legislature or your county commission with an indication, all of those things are part of the long-standing history and tradition in this country and now enjoy a presumption of constitutionality based on a, a decision that we got from the Supreme Court just recently, um, with an opinion back in, uh, in June, um, that uh, I think it's going to make it much easier going forward uh, to defend those types of things in court and hopefully um, reduce the number of times that we have to go to court to defend those types of um, traditional expressions of faith. So you do think that there's a silver lining in the in 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 the horizon uh, for, for for freedom? Yes, yes, I do. Um, the the case that we won in June, the American Legion versus American Humanist Association, uh, upheld the constitutionality of a nearly 100 year old World War One memorial uh, right outside of Washington D.C. called the Bladensburg Peace Cross. But in that opinion, uh, the Supreme Court also staked out sort of a I don't want to say a new way of doing it because really it's 
it's returning to the original intent of the First Amendment, but they sort of set aside a very bad uh, precedent that had influenced how they analyzed these types of cases uh, for close to 50 years now. And they have sort of set out that going forward, if something like this, subject matter like this, a monument, a memorial, or a practice, um, is in keeping with the longstanding history and tradition of this country, it's now presumed constitutional. And that is going to, uh, it really is a major shift in the way the court has analyzed these things. And I think there is very much so a, uh, a reason for hope going forward. I think it's going to be much easier to win those types of cases. And as I said before, it might make it um, more difficult to even bring that kind of uh, challenge on, uh, on, on establishment clause grounds. Gotcha. All right. Well, uh, tell, tell the folks one more time, Lathan, how, how they can follow up on, on uh, uh, the First Liberty uh, uh, organization and what they can, sure. how we can uh, continue to support the battle, because your battle is our battle. That's exactly right. I appreciate that uh, the opportunity. You, you can find out a lot more about uh, the cases that we have currently going and um, information for yourself, uh, resources for you at firstliberty.org. Uh, First Liberty, all spelled out, uh, .org. If you have, if you feel like you need to talk to um, an attorney about a situation that you're dealing with, at the top of the page, there's a tab that says Get Legal Help. It's a very simple little form that you fill out, and then one of our team will get back in contact with you and we'll uh, explore whatever you're dealing with further. Um, so, yeah, firstliberty.org is the best way to uh, to learn more about what we do. And um, Or if you're a text person, if you text the word liberty to 474747, you'll get a text back, and that will uh, prompt you through how to get on our email list. We send out a newsletter every week. We don't spam you to death, but just an update once a week on the cases that we are currently involved in and um, other trends that we see in, in culture and uh, in the law. Gotcha. Once again, my friends, we've been talking with uh, with Mr. Lathan Watts from the uh, First Liberty Institute, and he is the uh, director of Le- legal communications. This is the organization that Kelly Sh- uh, Shackelford uh, heads, and we want to thank them for fighting for our freedoms and for our liberties. Uh, we would um, we'd be in pretty bad shape if they weren't around. Thanks a lot, Latham. And we've got to get you back on the show to give us an update of what's going on, uh, what, what continues to go on so we can uh, alert the folks. Absolutely. I'd be happy to do it. Once again, friends, George Rodriguez, El Conservador, talking to you on KLUP 930 AM Radio, The Answer. Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.